<laughs> my options were enable recording and you know leave meeting right uh, or um <laughs> there's a whole bunch of there's a whole bunch of koans in the literature where essentially somebody gets up on the on a, on a, some sort of platform to give a talk and then does something really kind of surprising and leaves the meeting right so um for example um in one of them the the buddha gets up to give a talk to this great assembly and and uh Manjushri, the bodhisattva of great wisdom, I think, is sitting there introducing him. And he's, he's like, hear now the dharma of the king of dharma. Um, and, um, <laughs> and I think the Buddha just grabs the, his little podium, right? Like he, maybe he had a little... Um, stand that he could put some sort of you know like a glass of water on or something like that and he kind of shakes it and he, and he gets up and he walks off right i think that's that's how the story goes um so i wonder if we could you know this evening read a koan where it says something like you know on she got up to give a talk the um the record dialogue came on and he and he hit leave meeting <laughs> and then for the next 1500 years people would be puzzling over that one but we're not going to do that today and we're not going to talk about that con today we're going to talk about a different con although it's related um <clears throat> so and it kind of goes like this so um it's a it's a it's a kind of a long one and um and very unusual, as you'll see, but it goes like this. So, um, Baijiang, who in Japanese, whose name is pronounced Hyakujo in, in Japanese, but Baijiang, um, whenever he'd give a talk, this, this guy would show up and, you know, you kind of get the feeling he sat at the back, right? And, um, when Bajang was done, he'd leave immediately. Um, and finally, one day, he decided to stick around. Um, and and Bajang walks up to him and goes, hey, who are you anyway? And, and he says, actually, you know, I'm not human. Um, let me tell you, let me tell you my story. So I used to be Baijan. So, uh, you know, like a whole Kalpa ago, I don't even know how many years a Kalpa is, but it's like really a lot of years, right? Um, a whole Kalpa ago, I was the, the, was the abbot of this monastery, of a monastery on this mountain, on the, of this monastery, right? And um, one day a student came up to me and said, hey, Baijan, like, does a does someone who's really really practicing the great practice who's who's practicing the practice of of continuous 
awareness and engagement and awake awakening right that practice if someone does someone who's really in the middle of that do they fall under the laws of cause and effect which is to say karma right do they fall under the rules of karma and um and i said no they don't and immediately i was transformed into a wild fox and um and I've spent 500 lives as a fox. And I'd really like to not be a fox anymore. <laughs> so um, how about this? How about you see if you can help me out with this question and then, um, you know, then we'll go from there, right? And so, and then he says, so tell me, Baijong, you know, my future self, um, does a person who's practicing the great practice fall under the laws of cause and effect of karma? And, and Bajang, you know, the new Bajang says, you can't ignore cause and effect. And, and immediately the, the, um, the former Bajang was awakened and, and he, uh, and he says, okay, so, Awesome. Thanks a lot. That was really good. And um, my 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 fox body is dead now. And I'm going to go. Right. Um, I'm going. I'm free. Um, uh, but if you would do me a huge favor, could you just go around around behind the mountain and find my fox body, and um, and give it a monk's funeral, please? And so. Um, uh, Baijang arranges for some kind of um, signal to be sent out, some kind of bell or han or drum or something like that. And then there's an announcement made that they'll be having a monk's funeral. Um, and so in, in the end, everybody's really surprised because they're, they're like, wait, who died? <laughs> but um, he, he drags everyone out on the mountain. They found that they find this hole and he kind of pokes in with his staff and and gets the uh, get the fox gets the fox's body out, and uh, gives it a, a respectful monk's funeral, cremates it, and so I probably, you know, on the funeral pillar writes, you know, Baijiang like the first or something like that, and that's the end of the story. Right? Um, So as you can see, it's a very weird story. And, you know, I mean, and one of the, one of the things that's kind of the, well, there's a couple of pretty unusual things about it. Uh, the first is that it's clearly, you know, if you look at a lot of the other stories in the Blue Cliff record or um, the, this, this one actually appears as case two in the Mumon Khan, um, they really are just stories about straightforward interactions between people, right? And maybe those interactions really happened and may, maybe they didn't. And um, there's, a, there's a famous sort of statement by a sort of 
20th century Buddhist writer whose name I'm forgetting right now, that whether this the, the whether this story actually happened or not, whether Bodhidharma, for example, really visited the emperor and said, hey, um, it, you know, you're all your all your efforts to promote Buddhism in China don't really acquire any merit at all. And furthermore, I don't know who I am. So, you know, have a nice day. <laughs> um, maybe that happened or maybe it does. There's some people that say it did, it did and some people that say it didn't. And, and maybe, you know, all these other stories or some of these other stories happened. The, the, um, the standard kind of trope is that, for example, I think it was Yunmen very explicitly said, hey, I don't want you to write down anything that I said. It's all supposed to be spontaneous and I, I want you to just um, let it be what it is, right? And one of his students wore, um, wore robes with paper sleeves so he could, he could <laughs> carry a little ink set and brush what Yun Min said on his sleeve. And then like, presumably when he stood up to bow to leave, he'd like hide it or something like that. So Yun Min wouldn't go, what are you doing? Right. So anyway, um, the point is not so much whether these things happened, but in fact, in some ways it's better, it's, it's, it's more, powerful if you can be pretty sure they didn't happen because it means that there's something important about the underlying content right um and you know and that's what that's what myth making is about right there you know you know the odyssey for example like norman fisher wrote this really great book about the odyssey a kind of analysis of the odyssey and he makes he makes it clear that whether anybody actually believed the story of the Odyssey or not is another question. Um, and you know, it's in some time at some periods in Greek history, maybe they did, and in other periods of Greek history, maybe they didn't. But but the the the, uh, the Odyssey as a story is pretty much obviously um, an a metaphorical exploration of what it is to live an exemplary life, right? And how people both succeed and fail in, in leading an exemplary life. Um, and it's same, the, true, the same is true for myth-making in general. And this, this one is no exception, right? Um, the, the, this particular con, it's, it's clearly mythology, you know? Um, and, it, and it's funny too, because I'm, I'm going to teach a class about this starting on Thursday. And um, one of the things we're going to read, in addition to a couple of different versions of the koan, is we're going to read a commentary by Dogen, where he completely takes it apart. It's pretty great. He's like, come on. Did the fox really know that he'd lived 500 lives? Do you think fox foxes actually count their lives, right? And, you know, if, if just answering a question wrong could cause you to be 
immediately incarnated as a fox. This would be happening all the time. Buddhist teachers are constantly getting it wrong. Does it mean, you know, and even, even with, I mean, it's, this is a, it's a, you know, it's a good question, but it's a relatively trivial question, right? You know, I mean, it's the kind of thing people talk about all the time. And it's, and it, it's a question that's kind of begged by some of the early, the original assumptions of early Buddhism, right? Um, so, so people are constantly answering questions at least that important wrong. Why aren't, why haven't they all been incarnated as foxes and why isn't South China just just teeming with wild foxes, right? Um, and and why are there any, you know, um, Zen teachers left standing, right? So he kind of, he com like completely takes it apart as a myth while nonetheless kind of sneaking in some, some uh, kind of, salient points about the content right so um i think the other thing that's unusual about this koan is that it's it's really the only and that's not the only it's one of the very few places in the entire thousands of koans that that constitute the the literature overall where where the the kind of early Buddhist conceptual framework of, around um, karma, conduct, and rebirth is explicitly brought up and discussed, right? Um, and I think there's a reason for that. And, and you know, and it's explicitly brought up and discussed in this in this way where it's 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 clearly mythology, right? Um, like you know, folk mythology. Even um, I think there's a reason for that. There's a there's a guy named Douglas Hershock who's pretty great, and he he talks about um, uh, Indian and Chinese, you know, ancient Chinese funerary practices and about the, how those um, display considerations about uh, 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 considerations for the ancestors, the deceased, right? And, and he makes the point that, that the idea in the, in the sort of the, the in the in early Indian Buddhism that that people are working to have themselves completely removed from the chain of um, of being right uh, from the from the round of rebirth and so on um, would not actually appeal to someone in in the classical Chinese world. It would, it would seem like that's not how it's supposed to work, right? In fact, the the idea, according to Hershock, the idea that um, somebody would be, one of your ancestors would disappear from the world completely would be kind of disturbing and disappointing, right? Um, and the, in the sense that you wouldn't be able to kind of keep them close, right? Um, and 
you know, whether that's whether that's a good analysis or not, I think that it it points still to this idea that that the 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 practice of Buddhism is not totally bound the practice and even some of the conceptual framing of Buddhism is not totally bound to the metaphysics, right? It, the, 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 you don't have to, you don't necessarily have to um, um, adhere or, or promote the, the metaphysical framework that under underlies um original Buddhism to um, benefit from and, and to and to incorporate Buddhism into your your cultural framework as a, a as a beneficial force right um, and what that means is that in in Chinese Buddhism the the emphasis was way less on on cleaning up your karma and 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 in in the at the fruition of a life or a some number of lives of practice to be to be just freed completely from the round of of birth and death right um rather than that the emphasis really in chinese buddhism is more about conduct in this world and relationships in this world and how to live them out in a way that's comfortable, skillful, and um, helpful, right? Um, that, help, that helps everyone wake up and be engaged with the world in a way that's, as we were saying earlier, both relaxed and full of energy, right? Lovely. Um, and When you, when you take the precepts, the precepts that have come down to us from the beginning, but which were, were kind of given a somewhat different form when Buddhism arrived in China. And when you take those precepts, one of the first things you do is you, you, you engage in an act of karmic avowal, you say. Um, of, all my ancient twisted in karma from beginningless greed, hate, and delusion born through body, speech, and mind, I fully avow. Um, and it, it's interesting because it, it directly brings up this exactly a question that's, that's exactly at the center of this con, right? Like, Okay, so you imagine yourself, you know, all sort of, you know, jazzed up for this ceremony. You say this, you, you, you recite this, this avowal of your karma in, you know, in, 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 a, in a serious and wholehearted way. And the first thing that, that came up for me, at, at least, was, holy cow, I'm totally off the hook. 
I don't need to fall under the, I don't need to think of myself as falling under the laws of cause and effect at all. It's, it's like all that's going on is, you know, I in air quotes, right. am just a, a confluence of causes and conditions that runs through this body and out into the future. Right. Um, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, you know, conditioned entity and the, and the, and my actions are, are, are just a, a continued interplay of that conditioning for, for all time and throughout the entire universe from the, you know, from one end to the other, from the, from the big bang on. Um, it's just the energy and information at play um, uh, doing exactly what it does and it, and it's perfect. Right. Um, and the, 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 you know, the question does, do I fall under the laws of karma or the, the laws of causality um, is, is like, well, what are we talking about here? <laughs> yeah. um, if 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 there was if there was an I, maybe I would. But since since it's just this it's just this flow of energy and information running from the Big Bang to the heat death of the universe, and I'm just a I'm just a conduit for it. Um, the question doesn't even doesn't even arise, right? And that's, you know, that's lovely, right? And then about a week later, I'm walking around and I think what happened was I remembered something and I like, oh, that was not very good, was it? And I, and I, I had, and I, I, the, that whole, I'm totally off the hook thing completely collapsed. And instead it was like, Oh, wait a second. What did I just say? I'm, I'm now completely responsible for my, for my engagement with the causes and conditions of my, of my life in the present moment. And furthermore, for my past actions. Right. Um, and, and, and I, and in the case where my past actions were, um, you know, in some way not beneficial, uh, I'm kind of obliged to try and correct it, right? If, if, if possible, if it's not possible, it's not. But um, so, so th there you have both sides, there you have both sides of this con, right? Like do, does a, um, does a, someone who's practicing fall under, the laws of, of cause and effect. Well, what do you mean by someone who's practicing, right? That's the one side. And then the other side is, yes, absolutely. You can't avoid, if you trip and stub your toe, it's going to hurt, right? If you, if you, you know, go down to the, to the pharmacy to buy um, toothpaste, and you get distracted and come home with a, um, 
I don't know, a battery and, and some, some cookies, then everyone's going to be unhappy with you. Right. <laughs> yeah, there's, uh, it's, it's just, it's just the, the, uh, the interplay of causes and conditions and it, even more important, right. The world in which we practice the great practice and wake up, right. Is nothing but the world of causes and conditions. It just is, right? And so, of course, you can't ignore it. Um, it's it's the it's the it's the breath of life and the bread and butter of everyday existence, which is where we all live this out, and where and it's the only place where we have the opportunity to be awake.